When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Myron Metcalf here in, uh, here for Purple Daily on Score North, scorenorth.com. Another beautiful Friday here in the lovely state of minnesota is always with the one and only manny fresh hill what's going on brother how you doing man i um start with this i i knew vikings fans didn't like the saints <laughs> i didn't know they hated them yeah you learned something this week didn't so, you <laughs> so i didn't i mean growing up in milwaukee you know with the packers like i knew i, I knew how heated rivalries can get for vikings fans but I've never, in all the years I've been here, felt like a sense of, you know, hatred for another fan base or team. But when the Saints lost that game on, I don't care what anybody says, a, a horrible missed call, right? I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. They're not going to reverse it, but. Brutal call. That was Ric Flair clothesline WCW in front of two <laughs> officials, and, and nobody called it. But what I, I didn't realize that there were so many. Vikings fans who were just waiting, waiting for someone to put these Saints in the same situations that Vikings fans felt like they were in with the Saints uh, about ten years ago. Yeah, am I missing something? Like what? Ha- is it just they don't like the Saints, or is it worse than that? It's well, I will tell you this: I went back and forth with a few people on Twitter saw that, that night after the game, and for me, because. I, I initially posed the question like, wait a minute, because I saw a bunch of people saying, oh, karma, karma for the Saints and everything. And and I thought, okay, I thought the Minneapolis miracle when Stephon Diggs got the touchdown in the playoff game last year to beat the Saints, I thought that was the karma. Because when, it that, felt happened, like it. when that happened, everybody last year was like, yeah, karma, revenge for the Saints, you know, blah, blah, blah. What else could you ask for? Right, what else could you ask for? And apparently I learned that it's – it's not enough. It's not going to be enough. No karma for the Saints is ever going to be good enough. No karma for <laughs> Sean Payton is ever going to be good enough. It, until the Vikings win a Super Bowl. That's what I learned. It, well, it's, I mean, clearly Stephon Diggs and, and the Minneapolis Miracle, the knife is already in. Mm-hmm. But but when the Saints lost in the NFC Championship game, it was like Vikings fans were like, dig it deeper. Put in another knife. I'm like, what else do you want those people to go through? Death by a thousand cuts. I mean, that's how it felt. Yeah. And, and to me, 
it I have to admit, I kind of forgot about Bonnie Gate. I mean, it's not something that I think about. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the the what the Saints have is they've got a really likable quarterback. They've got a face of that franchise that everybody loves, and Drew Brees. They have two likable quarterbacks, really. Drew, well, and Teddy B. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're dancing in the locker room. So you don't have that sort of memory when it comes to them and what happened uh, w- with Bonnie Gate and what happened in that game. But with the Patriots, because Tom Brady's such a constant and because of Deflate Gate and, you know, the, the, the monitoring and all the – you look at them and go, okay, people, a lot of people still think that's a pretty dirty franchise. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, Manny, the Saints might be right below them in the eyes of a lot of folks in terms of, you know, teams that people look at and go, they didn't play fair. Uh, you know, they, they had some malicious intents some years ago, and we're going to hold that against them for a long time. But here's what gets me, though, and this is something that I brought up on Sunday after the game, too, was when you look at what has happened with the Saints since they won the Super Bowl when they beat the Colts in, in 2010, January yeah. 2010, or February 2010, I guess yeah. it was. They have, every year they've been in the playoffs, they've lost pretty much in some sort of heartbreaking fashion. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you got the Marshawn Lynch run yes. the, the very next year yep. uh, against a 7-9 and nine Seattle team that made the playoffs because they were playing in a terrible division and hosting because they won their division. Then you had the next year was the catch was the catch three in San yep. Francisco when yep. Vernon Davis caught the caught the winning pass from Alex yep. Smith right, and then you had the year the, where Marcus Colston threw they were the the Saints were trying to get a tying touchdown against Seattle and Marcus Colston Marcus Colston threw the ball forward I remember that to, you know they yep. were, he should have lateraled it backwards it or gotten out of forward. bounds yep. Yep. or gotten out of bounds to stop the clock to give Drew Brees another shot but no he caught the ball inbounds turned around inbounds yep. threw the ball forward bad idea and that was it and they lost the game so and then you have the Mi- Minneapolis miracle. Yeah, miracle and then you got last so, week yeah and then you have last week so it's like Really, every year what? since the Saints won the Super Bowl, and in the in the eyes of Vikings fans, they they cheated their way to the Super Bowl. They stole that Super Bowl. They they cheated the Vikings. Blah blah blah. Every year since then that they've been in the playoffs, they've they've been they've dealt with some form of heartbreak. They, I mean, so they, what more do Vikings fans want? And apparently, I learned on Sunday it's not enough. Listen, if the Vikings, if the Vikings and and their mishaps in the playoffs. You know, if they're Taylor Swift, <laughs> you know, I think the Saints are like Usher or somebody. Like, they just, they've gone through a lot. Both have gone through a lot, right? And they talk about mm-hmm. it constantly. But is it is it just you were trying to take our quarterback out? I mean, Brett Favre the year when they were basically trying to, you know, make sure yeah. that he didn't play another down. Was it, you know, the missed calls? I mean, what what was the thing that stands out I think it in was, that game? I think it was the totality. I think it was... Bounty Gate, you know, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator for the Saints at that Ooh, time. Who no one will ever forgive him, by the way. No, no I mean, he, he had no chance of getting that Cleveland gig or any other gig, in my opinion, because of that. Right. He'll, yeah. he'll never escape that. And so it was that, and it was, you know, the, you had the pass interference call on Ben Lieber in overtime that was kind of like, they basically called him for face guarding. Yeah. And... You know, Ben hadn't turned his head around, but it wasn't. It wasn't pass interference. It, it was like they just wanted to make a call. The receiver was falling down. It was, and, yeah. yeah. 
And so, yeah, there there was that, and then there was a there was a play in overtime that a lot of people don't talk about, where Pierre Thomas was going for it on on fourth and inches, and when he lunged over the line to try and get the first down, it looked like somebody came in, a Viking defender came in and punched the ball backwards. So it looked like the ball itself doesn't, cross the doesn't actually cross the yeah, line yeah. on fourth and inches, and they gave him the first down anyway, and that continued, and then Hartley hit the field goal to win. But, yeah, so I, I think it's just the totality of all of that. And, you know, Sean Payton... You don't like him? Yeah, they don't. They just don't like him. Yeah, he's, kind of, he's kind of arrogant. And yeah, he's, he's got, got the personality. And you know, when they when um when Lutz when Will Lutz hit the go ahead field goal in the game last year to put the Saints up twenty four to twenty three, Sean Payton, you know, before the Minneapolis miracle, Sean Payton was doing the scold, the yeah, scold yeah, clap yeah, yeah, and yeah, taunting yeah. the Vikings fans and everything, and then Diggs scored the touchdown, and you know there was some egg on his face, but. I think it's just stuff like that. All of that, that put people. together, I think that's what has drawn up this hatred from for Vikings fans and the Saints. It, I mean, it was amazing to see it to see it all come out. I, I mean, you know, we all know about Brady and Belichick and the Patriots and how people view them. I mean, that's just been that way for almost twenty years now. Yeah. But wow, there are a lot of people who don't. It wasn't just Vikings fans. There are a lot of people who don't like Sean Payton. So yeah. I'm in Indianapolis for the Final Four uh, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I know some people who know some people. And they're like, hey, come to this club. And when you get there, let me know. Because there's a cool party in the back of the club where there's like this VIP setup. Mm-hmm. So I'm there with one of my homies, uh, one of my homegirls. And like all of a sudden, uh, Charles Barkley walks in. Walks in through the crowd. Oh boy! I'm like, okay, so it must be back there. So I'm, I'm texting my boy. He's not getting back to me. All of a sudden, Tony Romo walks through the crowd and he goes to the back. And then, like a few minutes later, Sean Payton walks to the back. So I'm texting my boy. I'm like, okay, I see they're going to some party. And um, you know, can you get me in? So he he got me into the VIP. And, and listen, I'm not I'm not some big time kind of dude, but I certainly felt big time this night because there was a VIP. But then there was a VIP in the VIP. Okay. So so all of a sudden we're all mingling in VIP and these security dudes put up like this barrier where like Barkley, Tony Romo, and Sean Payton are all hanging out. Right? Uh Barkley and I and I'm behind the line. I'm I'm with Barkley and Romo and all those guys. Barkley's just Barkley. I mean, he's as cool as you would expect mm-hmm. him to be, you know, pay the tab at the end of the day. I don't even want to tell you what it was. Uh, Tony Romo had basically, you know, everybody wanted to be his friend. I mean, you should see how men react to Tony Romo when he's in the room. It, like, you think this whole him play, him calling plays, predicting plays or something? <laughs> Imagine those same dudes being a foot away from Tony Romo. It, it wasn't women around him. It was dudes who were like, Tony, what's it like to be you? You know what I mean? It was just really <laughs> awkward. And then there was Sean Payton, who to me... You know, out of all the people who were trying to be the coolest dude in the room, it was Sean, right? Like, mm-hmm. Romo was just being himself. Barkley was just being himself. But Sean sort of had a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm Sean Payton. I'm a big deal. I'm that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know who I am. <laughs> and I and I think when you see him doing things like you said, you know, doing the score, doing – when you see him dancing in the locker room, mm-hmm. you know, when you see him sort of encouraging – because – Listen, 
it's it's hard to feel sorry for any franchise that danced in the locker room after every win and, and, <laughs> and like created their own dance yeah. off this and now all of a sudden you lose. Like you're kind of asking for it. But Sean Payton was like the one dude who was like, I'm a big deal to, to me in that party I was at. And it reminded me, I, rem- I thought about that when he lost last week because I'm like, there are a whole lot of people waiting for him to lose again. And he keeps losing. Like you said, mm-hmm. this isn't a new thing. He keeps losing. He has one Super Bowl. He continues to lose. Year suspension, you yeah. know, all the other mishaps. If you, as much as we go at Belichick for, for what's happened, Belichick had never been suspended for a year. I mean, that was never. a huge, huge deal. And and I think a lot of those ghosts came back to to haunt Sean Payton when when you know they lost to a Rams team that got it off a a bad missed call. I mean, there's yeah. nothing else to say about it. Even though you go to you know, even though you're at home, I get it. Um, but you can't miss that call. You can't tell me that that didn't matter. Here's my one of my one of my concerns. Okay. Can we all admit that one play can change a game? Like, I understand the whole, like, you know, the the game is an accumulation of, you know, plays here and there. I understand all of that. But can we all just admit that if we think about all of our favorite teams that have lost big, close games, mm-hmm. that it has come down to one play? Like, why is it so hard to admit that? That one play can change a game. Well, hell, the the – NFC Championship game that the Vikings lost to the Saints came down to one play. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if if, if Brett Favre doesn't throw that inter- interception they across win. his body, they, you know, Longwell probably kicks that field goal and the Vikings go to the Super Bowl. And then they win the Super Bowl because they beat that Colts team. I think so, too. I think they beat the Colts. One play. I mean, Minneapolis Miracle. One play. Yeah. Like, like the one play changed that game. It mm-hmm. wasn't the totality of it. I don't think anybody thought the Vikings on that day were the better team. One play changed everything. Like, why is it so hard for people to admit that? That's why you can go on and on about a pass interference call that was missed because that was the game. They had a 97% chance. Had they called that pass interference, there was a 97% chance, according to ESPN stats and info, mm-hmm. that the Saints would have won that game. 97%. Now, to counter that, though, is it fair to say that even though they botched that call and completely screwed it up, that the Saints still had an opportunity in overtime and they threw it away by when Breeze threw that pick? Sure. I mean, sure. You can – You can. I understand that. And if you're a Rams fan, if, if you're someone just observing, like I understand saying, look, they had opportunities because they did. Mm-hmm. The Saints weren't great in that game. I mean, they were at home, and I think if you look at – you know, from about that Cowboys loss, I think Thanksgiving weekend, the Saints weren't the Saints. Like, they weren't yeah. looking like the team that beat the Rams in the first half of the season. So, yeah, you can look at that and go, come on. You, you made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of play calls didn't make sense. If you're Sean Payton, how are you managing that game? I got a lot of questions about it. But I still feel like if you get to a moment and and there's a chance to where one thing seals up the game, you yeah. can't overlook that either. And a call like that being missed that was so, so, bad. so blatantly it was obvious so, that it was It was Van Dam. It I was mean, call you either gotta call pass interference or helmet to helmet there. You gotta was, call something. That there. was the Steiner brothers in, in eighty eight and WCW. <laughs> That's how they used to set you up. 
Scott Steiner would hold you, and then Rick Steiner would come yes. in. I mean, that's how it was. That was that was a Ricky Dragon the Ste- Ricky the Dragon Steamboat kind of thing. Everybody saw that, and if you look at the replay, there are two officials sitting right there. I know. What are you watching other than that? And what are you doing? And Nikel Roby Coleman, the offender who wasn't called for the offense on the play, basically admitted himself. Of course, that he did. it was pass interference. Of course, and that he should have been called. Yeah, which so. which. That even digs the knife in a little further. Yeah. You know, for for the Taylor Swifts of the NFL. I mean, I think the Vikings <laughs> and the Saints both share that. We'll be back after this on Purple Daily. Hot takes, North Cool. Score North. Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily on uh Score North. Scorenorth.com. Um, Super Bowl's coming, man. What's the perfect uh, What's the perfect meal, man? Like food. Like you have a party. Cause I hate it when people overdo Super Bowl. Like you don't have to. Don't try to impress people at a Super Bowl party. That's just <laughs> dumb. Like do stuff that people like to eat at parties like that. Finger foods, nachos. Nachos are a must-have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but it's not the time for you to, you know. Hey, I've been watching the cooking channel all week and, and I want to whip out this, you know, chicken dish I just came up with on the fly. I don't want your chicken dish. Okay? Nachos, I'd want nachos. Nachos or like some sort of like taco wings. Taco, taco salad dip or taco something. Taco salad wings. Yeah. And if you can't cook, then just buy stuff that people eat. Yeah. Stop inviting people to parties with your experiments on the table. Pretzels. Pretzels are good. You know, drinks, have an assortment of drinks, you know, but it's not that complicated. <laughs> and I think if you go and have a Super Bowl party and you decide that you're going to have the greatest party of all time and do something that's never been done when it comes to food, you lose. <laughs> and when Every people time. leave, yes, and when people leave your party, they're going to talk about you. They won't talk about you to your face, but they're going to talk about how you didn't stick to the basics. Did you try that chicken dish? That's that what I said. That was terrible. Oh, yeah, what? What are you? You're Iron Chef saying that like right when they you, walk out. Exactly of the, when they walk out of the person's house. You're too. just gonna try to make Thai food all of a sudden, <laughs> your first time on a whim because you watch some show and now you think you're gonna be a five star chef. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem with society. We got a lot of problems in society. The number one problem is we watch a show on YouTube or TV and we assume, hey, I can do that too. No, you can't. Keep it simple, people. Nachos, pretzels, some some wings. Buffalo wings, right, are pretty standard. Yeah. Buffalo wings, taco, dip, like Manny said, some drinks. Mm-hmm. You're good. Got that beer. Be- beer, whatever you, you know, an assortment of drinks, stick to the basics, mm-hmm. right? 100% agree. And I say stick to the basics because that is what the Patriots have been doing for the last 20 years. <laughs> yes. And the problem is this. When I talk about you know people seeing something on TV and they think they can mimic it as being a five-star chef. If you're an NFL team and you're watching the Patriots right now, you can't do that. You can't do what the Patriots have done. You are going to lose your job if you make an attempt to do that. So many things have been on the Patriots' side. So many things have gone right 
beginning with having Drew Bledsoe and then picking the greatest six-round pick of all time. You know what's funny? I was watching uh, on YouTube the other day. I came across the old, um, it was like a two-minute clip of the day Tom Brady got drafted in yeah. in 2000. And it was, uh, it was Mike Tirico and Mel Kuyper Jr., Breaking down Tom, the sixth round pick out of Michigan. This yeah. guy ran a five two forty yard dash, and Mel Kuyper's bringing him down like, yeah, throws a very catchable ball, and yeah. you know, but you know, there's just questions about mobility, and uh, you know, I'm trying to do my best Mel Kuyper impression <laughs> yeah. here, but but yeah, he just talked about you know, catchable ball, throws a good ball, but just questions about mobility with the five two forty that he ran and everything, and it's just funny watching that clip and thinking this guy's about. This guy that they're talking about is about to become the greatest quarterback of it's, all time. It's amazing how <laughs> it, it's amazing. I mean, it all starts there with them. And then from there, you build a winning culture. And then if you can build a winning culture with a legendary quarterback, now you can pay people less than their market value to be a part of that winning culture. And the unique thing about the AFC and NFC championship was the fact that you had two teams who had built their teams into contenders in the only way that you can in 2019. And that is Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady. Legendary quarterbacks, and you've got folks who want to be a part of that, and they'll take less than market value in order to do that. Now, Mm -hmm. the Saints got some problems coming because Alvin Kamara is going to get paid at some point. Michael Thomas in 2020 – is probably going to reset the market for wide receivers. Um, you can't keep this together. But having a guy like Drew Brees allows you to bring in pieces who are like, I just want to play with Drew Brees. Tom Brady's been doing that for how many years? Where this is a guy who, if you look at their, I went on Sport Track, and if you look at the cap hits, Brady's $22 million, Devin McCourty's 11.9, Rob Gronkowski's 10.8. Dante Hightower's 9.6. Stephen Gilmore, cornerback, 8.8 million. From there, it's just a bunch of dudes. Mm. Most everyone from there is under $6 million in terms of the cap hit, right? Yeah. That's the benefit of being a Belichick and a Tom Brady. You want to play with us? Okay. We're not giving you your market value. You can make more money elsewhere. But if you want to be a champion, Manny, then this is what you got to sacrifice to come be with us. It's amazing because I'm watching the AFC Championship game on Sunday, and it in some ways it kind of reminded me, I brought this up with Judd earlier this week, Judd and Rami, about how, and ironically I'm going to use another Kansas City team in this example, but you remember when the Royals were in the World Series yes. against the Giants in 2014. Great they example. Played, they played that game seven. And I remember I was pulling for the Royals to win the World Series because I thought it was just a great story the way they came from being a terrible team, just they turned it around so quickly, and all those guys they they were they were just dominating uh, through the American League, and you know I just liked the makeup of the team, so I was pulling for them. Yeah. But then Madison Bumgarner comes in that Game Seven in like the fourth inning or fifth inning or something like that, and he just starts mowing down Royals hitters. Yep. And like even though I'm pulling for the Royals, I'm still just like. Almost in some ways, pulling for Madison Bumgarner yeah. to keep doing what he's doing because it's an amazing historic yep. performance. That's kind of how I felt on Sunday. On Sunday with the AFC Championship game, 
I was pulling for the Chiefs to win because I like Andy Reid and I like Patrick Mahomes and all of that. But as Brady is marching down the field near the end of regulation and then also in overtime, I'm just watching in amazement like, this is incredible. That this guy, This guy is 41 years old, and every time something looked like it it was going to be that that was going to be it for the patriots third and 10 third and 8 or something Bruh. he makes a play edelman makes a play gronk makes a play and it's just amazing that they just kept doing it over and over and over again it was incredible well and and it was it was also incredible in a in an era where we're spreading everything out mm-hmm. you know what i mean you got these high powered offenses a, a cliff kingsbury gets a job because People are saying, do what Sean McVay did. Yeah. Patriots weren't doing that. It was dink and dunk football. It was five-yard outs. It was simple routes. It wasn't, you know, post and hitch routes. It was, hey, Grant, go make a play. Hey, hey, Edelman, go make a play. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was. James White, make a play. And that is the advantage they have. But you cannot ignore the salary cap, how they've approached the salary cap. Yeah. Which you cannot do that. And you know who's starting to realize that? Even the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are going to have some financial challenges if they bring back Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, they weren't going to be able to pay him. Now they might you trade Antonio Brown. Have to, I mean, you cannot sustain it if you've got four or five big money guys. The Patriots don't have that. How much could Rob Gronkowski make elsewhere? He'd be oh. making twice as much elsewhere. Yeah. But that's the advantage. Hey, I just want to be around Tom Brady. I want to play in that winning culture. The flip side of it is this. You've got a rookie contract for a quarterback. You've got a quarterback playing on a rookie contract, and therefore you can just build around him. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff and the Rams. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah. Jared Goff is 10th in terms of cap hits on the Los Angeles Rams roster. He is accounting for 4.2% of the team's cap, making – Seven cap it is seven point six million dollars. Number one, the Dominican Sue at fourteen point five. There are nine players who account for a bigger cap hit than Jared Goff, the starting quarterback. <laughs> you cannot do that without a rookie contract. Here's the problem with the Rams. The Rams have to win now. Yeah. Because they can't keep all those expensive pieces knowing that they have to pay. Jared Goff. And Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald. They paid Donald. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald got his money. Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Akeem Peters. Tlaib, you can't keep them all. I mean, Gurley got $40 million, and Goff's about to break the bank. The receivers. You can't you know, keep them Robert all. Woods and Cooper Cup. Those guys are going to want to get paid. You can't keep them. And Jared Goff will probably, especially if he wins this Super Bowl, will reset the market for quarterbacks. You're going to have to give him a lot of money to keep him. And you will, because he got you to a Super Bowl. But that's the other way. Manny, rookie contract, the Dallas Cowboys have done it. But so many of these teams that we're looking at and going, look how good they are. The Chiefs, the Rams, the Cowboys win the division again. Ain't going ain't gonna to last unless they learn how to be more like the Patriots. Identify a quarterback who's so important that he just gives you an edge that you can afford to pay guys less than their market value. Because what the Patriots have done is they've proven how replaceable players are in the NFL. Mm -hmm. They've proven that you can win without superstars. Now, how do I tie this all back to the Vikings is like this. There's a big elephant in the room. 
The Vikings are in the middle, which is the absolute worst place to be. Mm-hmm. They don't have a winning culture with a legendary quarterback. They don't have a quarterback on a rookie deal. They got a bunch of dudes making too much money, starting with Kirk Cousins. They're stuck. Financially, this is a team that's stuck. And they're going to have to make some big decisions in the coming years about how they want to shape this team. Because the teams that have paid everybody big money, they're not here. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not in the dance anymore. They are not still alive. There's a reason the Patriots have been able to do this. Manny, but this to me, Thielen eventually is going to get another deal. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, you got to pay. At some point, you're going to have to make real hard decisions about who gets the money and who doesn't. And see, and I'm looking at even next year with the Vikings because so much, you know, so much has been made about the offensive line. You got to improve the offensive line. Okay, you can go and do that in a draft, but the thing of it is, is you can't always guarantee a rookie to come in and make a huge contribution, especially on the offensive line for you. No. Once in a while, that will happen, but you can't bank on that. So you may have to go into free agency to fix the offensive line or to add. You know, maybe another weapon for Kirk Cousins, you know, a third wide receiver, because they could probably use a third wide receiver to take some pressure off of Thielen and Diggs and Cook. But because they're so up against the cap and because Kirk Cousins is taking up a lot, a a large portion of the cap and he's sort of a middle of the road quarterback right now. They're gonna. They may have to make some sacrifices, and I'm talking about on the other side of the football. Oh, you have to. On the strength of the team is the defense. Can't and keep now, them. And now you're looking at. You may have to let Anthony Barr go. You, you have to, to. You may have to let Sheldon Richardson go. You might have you to. You may have to. You may have to let you know an Everson Griffin who kind of struggled in the second half you might of the have season. To. You may have to let these guys go, and these are guys that Mike Zimmer loves. These he loves his defense. He loves his defensive guys. Yes. And now he may have to sacrifice some of those guys to make in order to free up some money to go out and and help improve the offense for Kirk Cousins. And then you're looking at Mike Zimmer and saying, "Okay, you're a defensive genius. We may have to let some of your guys on the defensive side go." And you're going to see co- how much of a genius you gonna, are. You're going to have to coach up some of these other guys that may not be making as much money. Five guys to your point, Manny. Five Patriots account for more than a $6 million cap hit. There are 10 players in the Minnesota Vikings who account for $6 million or more mm-hmm. in terms of cap hit. You can't have that and not be a playoff team. So I don't, you bring in Gary Kubiak and Clint and the rest of the family. Excuse me. I think they just brought in a third cousin. Um, <laughs> But, Manny, you have to pick the right guys. Yeah. You have to pick the right players, and you have to be willing to say, I understand how much you are worth outside of here, but you're not worth that to us. And that's the beauty of the Patriots. Running backs have never been more replaceable in the NFL. Kareem Hunt was going to ruin the Chiefs when he left. And Damian Williams had three touchdowns in the AFC title game. Mm Mm-hmm. Running backs are replaceable. Don't pay them. Don't pay running backs. Don't pay them and don't draft them high. Don't draft them high. Don't pay them. Okay? Unless you have a generational talent, to me, at wide receiver, don't pay them. 
because they're replaceable too. Mm-hmm. I think Thielen and Diggs can be the, a really good combo going forward. But I don't know how much you're going to be willing to sacrifice in the future to keep that together. Quarterbacks are what you pay for. You pay for quarterbacks, but you better be getting something in return. And that's the problem with the Minnesota Vikings. You don't pay for defensive players. You pay for players who can, you know, solidify your defense. But they don't have to be Khalil Mack. The Bears won a lot of games with Khalil Mack hurt. Roquan Smith had a lot of pieces in there who could help them. Akeem Hicks. And, You're yeah. better off having a defense that has depth and doesn't necessarily have a start that's taken up an Aaron Donald-like slice year. Salary cap. But that's why the Vikings, to me, are in such a difficult place. Mm-hmm. Because they're somewhere in the middle. They don't have a quarterback on a rookie, con- rookie contract. They don't have a quarterback who has led this team to such heights to where players just want to be here and they're willing to take less than market value to stay. And now the problem is is you're you're – we're all looking at this situation now with Kirk Cousins and saying, "Well, we got to surround him with more talent. We've got to, we got to get him more talent. We got to get him a better offensive line. We got to get him another wide receiver. We got to get him another tight end." And it's like, this is the problem when you're paying him twenty eight million dollars, and we're still saying, "Well, we got, we got to get more talent around him. We got to surround him with more talent." Well, yeah, this is the problem with him making this much money is that it's going to be really, really hard for them to. Add more talent because of how much money of the cap that he's taking up. And then now that's where you look at Gary Kubiak and say, well, okay, you're coming in here and you're going to collaborate with Kevin Stefanski in this offense and you're going to implement a zone blocking scheme and you're going to implement this offense to try and make it work. It better work. Yes. It better work because the thing of it is, Myron, you got jobs that are going to be on the line. Oh, 100%. Going into twenty nineteen, lost. I mean, it's going to be lost. I mean, jobs you know, will be lost. You got Mike Zimmer is going into twenty nineteen on the last year of his deal. Now they'll probably give him like a one year extension or something like that. But he could lose his job. But he could certainly lose his job if they don't if they don't do well enough. Rick Spielman, the general manager, there are eyes looking at him going into twenty nineteen as well. Because if you're going to part ways with the head coach, in most cases, you part ways with the general manager too. So. There's there's a lot of people that are going to be looking around and and wanting this team to do well and they've got some they've got some work to do, brother. I don't know how they fix it. I don't know. It's going to be tough. It. I really don't know. And, and if you're Spillman, even you're kind of stuck. I, I don't know what Spillman can do to to really right the ship. Well, they're going to have to. I I just I think that they're going to have to. They're going to have to let some people go on the defensive side. You have to. And and Mike Zimmer, being the defensive genius that we all think he is, he's going to have to coach up. I mean, look, he he turned Holton Hill, an undrafted guy, into a, a pretty good player. Holton yeah, Hill played yeah. really good down the yeah. stretch for them. That's there's going to have to be more of that. Yes. where you're going to have to, you're probably going to let Anthony Barr go. Sheldon Richardson came in for one year on a one year deal. He played really a well. Twenty for million you. dollar cap hit between those two. But you're going to have to, you're probably going to let those two guys go. So that you can go and and help Kirk Cousins yep. on the offensive side, and that's where you look at Zimmer and say, okay, all right, defensive genius, coach him up, because replace those guys that you're probably going to have to lose and coach him up. Because if you don't, then we're all going to be out of a job. Can you even name five defensive players in the NFL who are irreplaceable? Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack. 
We can. It, it's it's. There's no Fletcher one. Fletcher Cox maybe. Fletcher yeah. Cox is up there, but there's no yeah. one where you go. Oh, teams are winning by either not spending a whole lot of money on a quarterback, or spending so much money on a quarterback that they refuse to pay anybody else. But as long as you're winning, people want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's how the Packers and Aaron Rodgers won a championship. That's how the Eagles, who had Carson Wentz on his rookie deal, and Nick Foles making reserve money last year. Mm -hmm. That's how they pulled it off. And they had a bunch of guys defensively who were not big money guys, who were making plays in the Super Bowl. The Patriots are the Patriots. The Steelers for many years have been that. There's a reason that teams who have the same makeup are winning. And as much as we like to say, it's all the quarterback. Yes, that's very, very important. But it's the structure of how they use the cap mm-hmm. and how they pay. So for me, yes, you need a Rick Spielman to look at that draft and go, okay, that guy as a second-round pick, he's not much better than the guy that I can get in the fifth round because that's the kind of eye you want him to have. But it's also putting these pieces together and building a culture to where you can bring in a good, solid player and convince him to come here and take less money because he just wants to be a part of the show. And being in between is a very being in between is a very dangerous place for the Minnesota Vikings, but it's something they gotta figure out. We'll be back after this. Information. Sports talk that leans north. Score North. Minnesota Sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Myron Metcalf uh, with Manny Hill back here on Purple Daily. Score North, scorenorth.com. Um, I don't I'll back off something that I've been saying for a long time, which is which is kind of a story of my life, thinking I'm right and then I find that I'm wrong. We all have those moments. Uh I have been a I have definitely been uh a supporter of the Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time movement. Okay. Because I'm a stats guy. I'm an efficiency guy. And there hasn't been a more efficient quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. His career numbers when it comes to efficiency are better than Brady's, better than Breeze, although Breeze has got a strong case if it's about the numbers too. Mm -hmm. But what Tom Brady did last week just made me realize how silly I am to think that there's anybody (laughs) who has ever picked up a football in the history of this great game and been better than him. He's the greatest. And... I'll always feel like Aaron Rodgers is my LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Brady's Michael. He's MJ. And the problem with Michael is this. When you argue with people uh, who love Michael, because don't ever get in an argument. My barber's from Chicago. Don't ever get in an argument <laughs> with Chicago people about Michael Jordan because you will always lose. Right. Correct. You cannot beat them in an argument about greatness. Michael, whenever we saw him on the big stage, Always had another gear. Michael Jordan always had, if everybody else was at 10 in the playoffs, Michael went to 12. Yeah. And nobody could come to 12 with him. It was just him. And t- to your point earlier, when Brady got the ball in overtime, mm-hmm. I knew the game was over. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was over because I knew that he's been playing at a nine. But 12 is coming. There's a there's a level he's going to go to and a zone he's going to that nobody in the history of the game can match. Well, you know, 
the Lawrence Taylors of the mm-hmm. the, the people who can legitimately in the history of the game just go, the game is mine. Yeah, which is so much harder to do in football. But I was wrong, Manny. I I, I was wrong. Aaron Rodgers will always be my LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll always be the guy that I think is just that great. Drew Brees will always be my. You can't call him Kobe because he's more efficient. Kobe wasn't efficient. Drew Brees will always be my Magic Johnson. Sure. Because yeah. I think Drew Brees. Or Larry Bird or something. Or Larry like Bird. He's, yeah, my, yeah, he's yeah. my Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, because he's right there. Mm-hmm. But Brady's Michael Jordan. And and, and I, I, I want to apologize to anyone <laughs> who, has ever, who has ever embraced or supported my take on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, being the greatest, I don't know if there are very many Vikings fans. Not many Vikings fans. <laughs> Not many Vikings. Maybe just my friends. But uh, I will tell you, as somebody who's grown up in Minnesota and has you know cheered for the Vikings growing up, and my stepdad's a former Viking and all of that stuff. Like I, I've always been willing, at least in the last handful of years, I've always been willing to listen to the to the idea that Aaron Rodgers might be the greatest ever, just because you watch how he just. Like physically, what he's able to do to move around the pocket and to just throw to make throws on a dime, boom, to people, it's 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 amazing. And he's had his share of of, of big time moments for the Packers too. But to your point about Brady, the amazing thing about Tom Brady is he's doing this at forty one years old, Myron. It's ridiculous. Forty one years old. Amazing. And he's not, and every time we keep thinking that this is going to be it, this is going to be it for the Patriots, he's done, Tom Brady's going to fall off the cliff, when's that moment come when he falls off the cliff? I I mistakenly went into this AFC Championship game thinking, yeah, you know, I'm just not sure the Patriots gotta are going to be over because at some point it's going <laughs> to end and it's a road game and the, and the Patriots, the last few times they've played on the road in the playoffs, they haven't played that well and they end up losing and... They're not at home, and the Chiefs, you know, Arrowhead's a tough place to play, and they got this dynamic offense and all that. And then he just he he does it again, and so now it's just like he, he's not sh- really showing any signs of falling off a cliff. Now it's going to happen eventually. But can he do it to forty five? But th- that's and I'm I'm starting to think that if he you can. had to if you had to say right now, could he do this till forty five? I'm starting to think that he can. That's not crazy anymore. I'm starting to think that he can. If they can keep, especially as he gets older here, as he turns 42, 43, 44. With no injuries. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. He's staying healthy, and if they can keep an offensive line you know, intact or, or just keep keep a good enough line in front of him and give him some weapons, I don't see any reason why he can't do this till he's 44, 45 and I, years old. And that's just... I keep thinking that every year is going to be the year that he falls us. off. But We're at the point where you look at the elderly, I said the elderly, but the the... Experienced quarterbacks, the Brady's, Breeze, Roethlisberger, who's had some up and down moments. It's not crazy to think they can keep doing this for a while. I will admit that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback who has ever played. He's the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Mm -hmm. I will say this, though. The most talented player in NFL history is a man named Randy Moss. The most talented force that has ever picked up a football in NFL history, is Randy Moss. Mm. And and I, and I understand that when we have conversations about greatness, we tend to focus on quarterbacks. It's, it's quarterbacks, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice. Like, those are the conversations we have about greatness. Mm-hmm. 
but the most talented, the most just raw talent that I have ever seen, that I think anyone has ever seen in the NFL to me, Randy Moss. Most physically gifted. The most gifted individual who has ever put on a uniform, Randy Moss. Randy Moss to me, if you took a young Randy Moss and put him in today's NFL, would have done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing would have changed with Randy Moss. He was just that kind of a talent. And and I know we like to say greatest in football, and we're talking quarterbacks, but raw talent, there has never been anyone to me that I've ever seen like Randy Moss. And you look at the way that he changed the league when he came into it. I mean, th- it's amazing. The way he changed organizations and how they drafted people. Like Randy Moss ripped up the NFL in his rookie year in 1998, and then the Packers turned around and went and drafted a bunch of defensive backs. Like six backs DBs. The following Like six DBs. He also created the big physical cornerback. If you go back before Randy Moss, you'll see a lot of 5'9 quarterback, cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot of 5'9", five, 5'10 five, dudes playing cornerback. If you look at the height of cornerbacks since 1998 till today, I'll guarantee you'll see them getting bigger on average. He created the six-foot cornerback, the six-one cornerback, because you had to match up with a guy like that. He created the Xavier Rhodes, the That's Richard Randy Sherman, Moss did the, that. Yeah. Randy Moss is the reason you've got big physical cornerbacks. Raw talent. And I understand he's a Hall of Famer, and we all agree he's great. Raw talent has never been anybody like Randy Moss. And Tom Brady is sort of the anti-Moss. He's this six-round pick who just turned himself into the greatest quarterback of all time. I can't believe he ran a 5 It's amazing. It's now, ama- I'm, I, I'm not one to talk. Like I'd probably run a 40-yard dash <laughs> at about six. But... But this this guy that ran a five two forty ends up being like the, great, the greatest quarterback of all time. Whereas Randy Moss didn't have to even go to the combine if he didn't want. Randy Moss, you know, we question everything about him. Practice habits. We question his commitment to the game. You know, we question how focused he was. But you ask everybody who had to line up against that dude, who when he played with Tom Brady is a big reason why Tom Brady has some of these records. There was no more unstoppable force to me than Randy Moss. And I will tell you from knowing someone who played with Randy Moss for two seasons and uh, as a former long snapper uh, for the Minnesota Vikings that many people, if you're listening right now, you know who I'm speaking of. Um, this person told me that nobody worked harder in practice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He- That's what my- Mike Morris told me that. Nobody worked harder in practice than Randy Moss. The whistle starts, when the whistle goes off, there's nobody better. Mm -hmm. It was the little things. He didn't have to do the little things. He didn't have to be Jerry Rice and and train for the Pro Bowl and and run up this hill and prove how committed he was because he had more raw talent than Jerry ever dreamed of having. Mm -hmm. He had more talent than Terrell Owens. The Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, all these guys coming into the league, Odell Beckham, the Randy Moss was that twenty years ago. <laughs> and to your point, it still feels like we never saw the ceiling with him. It still feels like 
We never saw what it all could have been, with the exception of maybe the the year with Brady, but mm-hmm. that we didn't get full Randy Moss, right? That's kind of the narrative. But go back and look at his numbers. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at Randy and what he did and how when it came time to be the best player on the field, Randy Moss was that every single time. And the league is not played today the way it was played back then. Absolutely not. You're not. I mean, you're, you know, with the exception of the NFC Championship game, where I guess apparently you're allowed to like headbutt somebody and yeah. not get called for pass interference or Arn Anderson or uh, Horseman. You know, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's really hard to cover receivers in the NFL today. You have no prayer it's if you're really in man- really hard and, in man coverage. You have no prayer. And I'm just looking at I'm I'm envisioning 26, 27 year old Randy Moss right in his prime going up against these sort of defenses that we're seeing this these secondaries that we're seeing in the NFL today and <laughs> be praying for these guys man oh they could get it today i mean it it it, it prime it randy be, would it would be it would be almost impossible to cover him i think prime randy would do the same stuff he did 20 years ago mm-hmm. and that's how you know he's he's one of the most gifted guys uh in NFL history to me the most talented guy in NFL history. Brady's the greatest quarterback. Randy Moss is the most talented guy in NFL history. Thanks for joining us, me and Manny Hill, here on Purple Daily. Purple Daily on Score North and Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.